Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth. Leo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton. Once upon a time, dot, 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 in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, film number nine. We'll talk about it in the Actors Room, episode 91. Here we go. Welcome back. My name's Jeff. This is the Actors Room. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Couldn't wait to see it. And those who listen to my show know that I mentioned this film a while back, even before I saw The Joker. Sorry, Joker. It's not The Joker. It's Joker with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I wanted to see this one first. Uh, by Tarantino, aren't many movies recently that I look forward to seeing. Um, Because I feel most movies today are a little bit too over the top, not artsy. I like the artsy stuff. I like films that look like they had a lot of creativity behind them as far as story goes. This is one of them. Couldn't wait to see it. Saw it two nights ago. For the first time. It's on stars. Thank you. I mean this movie came out. Not that long ago. And here it is. On stars. I knew it was going to be on. About a month ago. I circled the calendar. Sat down to watch it. It's two and a half hours. I think it's two and a half. Maybe Two hours and 40 minutes long. And it's a bit slow moving. And while I'm watching it. Like the first half hour. I wasn't that impressed. I was. Not only disappointed. In the flow. I was just disappointed in the content. That I was seeing in the early stages. Of this film. And I'm thinking. Wow, there aren't many Tarantino films I don't like. Jackie Brown, I think, is the only one I didn't like. I'm not saying it was bad. I just, I didn't care for it. It's not one of those films, Jackie Brown, where I'm going to watch it again. I watched it once, and that's it for me. I don't think I'll watch it again. I wasn't impressed at all. So, I'm thinking while I'm watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, damn it, am I going to be disappointed? Because I had high expectations going into this. I love Brad Pitt. I love DiCaprio. I love Tarantino and all the other actors that this director likes to put in his films. So I really looked forward to it. The premise seemed interesting as it is. I mean, we're talking about 1969 in Hollywood. The West Coast in 69... Was what? I mean, a different world, I think. Am I wrong? Young flower children from all over the country 
would hitchhike and trek cross country to go to San Francisco, Hollywood, near that area, LA. That was the place to be. There was just tremendous amounts of influence, not only in culture, right? Like the broader picture, but more specifically, film and especially music. In that time period, man, the late 60s, early 70s, during the Vietnam War, all the changes, all the chaos. And I love how people today say, whoa, this is such a messed up time. Really? I mean, I'm not saying it's not messed up. I think it's always messed up. It's just a degree of messed upness. (laughs) Think about what the world went through in the 60s and 70s and how messed up it was. All the assassinations, the chaos, <laughs> right? craziness. And you compare it to today, man, there's no comparison. I mean, I think people forget just how different it was back then. How soon we forget. Most of us anyway. The 60s, the late 60s in California. Like I said, the changes, the culture, people wanting to change the world for the better. And in that time, this is where Quentin goes. Quentin Tarantino loves to rewrite history. I couldn't say rewrite. (laughs) Quentin loves to rewrite history in his own way, in his mind, in his storytelling. I think he's brilliant. How many other directors out there and storytellers are like Quentin? Think of Inglorious Bastards, what he did with that. And now with this one, and as bored as I was in the very early stages of this film, it eventually got better and better. I started to get into it more, especially Brad Pitt's character and Leo's too going to set up both of their relationships right now. DiCaprio plays a an actor who's not fulfilled with his place in the business. He's been acting a while. He was on a very popular western TV show. Okay? And his career isn't going exactly the way he wants it to go. Mind you, he's successful, but not successful enough. He's at a midlife crisis and wants to do better in his career. Brad Pitt plays Leo's, what do you call it, like a, a stuntman. Right. I was going to say body double, but it goes deeper than that with Brad Pitt's character. And his name is Cliff Booth. Great, grounded, well done performance by Pitt. One of his best And got the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. And uh, yeah, that was a good choice. So he plays a stuntman. And more specifically, Leo Stuntman. These two are close. Very good friends. And because Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, is a stuntman. And is so close to Leo's character, Rick Dalton. He primarily works for him and him alone. Rick Dalton 
has had DUIs in the past and cannot drive around. So he has his stuntman, Bill, drive him around. <laughs> so he's kind of like a chauffeur too, Cliff. And does other things for Leo as well. And we'll call Leo Rick from now on. Rick depends on Cliff to not only drive him from here to there on set, so on, but he's there for moral support. And if anything needs to be fixed around his big house in the Beverly Hills uh, section of town, in the hills. Quentin loves the color yellow. Folks, watch the movie again. And if you didn't notice, oh my God. Yellow, yellow, yellow. Everywhere. Brad Pitt wears nothing but yellow shirts. That's it. (laughs) Same with DiCaprio. Yellow. Background stuff. Props. The overall feel. Yellow. Quentin likes to place that color into his films. Did the same thing with Pulp Fiction. Gold and yellow. I guess... You know what? Yellow is a great color to shut. It's bright without being bright. It doesn't blow you away like, like say, pink. A hot pink color. You'd be like, Jesus Christ, look at all this hot pink in this movie. You would just, that's all you would see. With the yellow, he puts it in very specifically. And then again, like all of the wardrobe and most of the wardrobe. And almost every single character is wearing yellow. <laughs> yellow. Why? For, for me, I find it very appealing. I'm the type of person. When I walk into a room, and I mean any room. I'm almost thrown off if it's not visually pleasing. Quentin feels the color yellow to be visually pleasing in his film. Especially this one. It worked too. The amount of time Quentin loves to shoot behind the wheel of the car, steering wheel, is incredible. Is it too much? He loves to see his actors in the car driving from here to there. Not a short shot, but damn, he will have these scenes driving around with the music playing. He's he's got the soundtrack, decent soundtrack. Doesn't blow me away. I think he did a decent job with the music. That's just me. But he loves to shoot his actors driving around. In cool cars. Listening to music. And just enjoying the ride. Quentin is great at setting up scenes. Making you feel comfortable with the characters. Like you're riding with them. This is an intimate thing that Quentin does. And although it may seem boring, and at the time it does, and you're thinking, where's this going? It's just going. It shouldn't be explained. It's a director and a storyteller doing it because he wants to. Simple as that. A downtime in film. But a time where you are just there with Brad Pitt as he's driving. You're just there maybe just taking in that moment because that's what Brad Pitt's character does Cliff he takes in moments 
And let's get into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 2019. A great performance for Brad Pitt. An excellent performance by DiCaprio. And once again, Quentin places in other actors he loves. Kurt Russell, for example. Michael Madsen, why not? Some of these very small roles. There are many actors in this film. Luke Perry, his last movie. Very small role. Almost insignificant, but not. I'll tell you why. Luke's Luke's, Luke's Perry... Luke Perry, his character, you could tell, very gentle, concerned. That's who he was. And he was uh, portraying a character that was concerned about a little girl in a movie. And I'm kind of getting off topic, but not really. I'm trying to explain certain things about this movie and... Have it make sense. I might be all over the place. I think I'm going to start over. (laughs) Here we go. Storytelling. Hollywood. 1969. And in all those things, Quentin decided to use Charles Manson, good old Charlie Manson, as his main focus surrounding this film. We see Charlie once, and it's for about, oh, I don't know, 40 seconds. And that's it. But he's referenced because of Sharon Tate. Her character is in the film for, I would say, 10 scenes. Not as much screen time as Brad and Leo. But I believe her name is um, Robbie. I think. I'm not a big fan. I'm not. She's very beautiful. And she does a fine job in the film. She plays Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Jay Sebring. Folgers. And I believe there was a person that lived on the compound of the Polanski household. That was murdered as well by the Manson family. In 1969. The summer of 1969. This changed the world. Especially the world of Hollywood. Hollywood got scared. They locked their doors. They left town. Manson scared the shit out of a lot of people. Manson. Was. Smitten. With the music industry. And actually recorded songs. That you can hear. They're okay. Manson can sing and play guitar, by the way. And he was obsessed when he picked up the guitar and played his music and wanted to be a music star. He was friends with Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys. We're talking about Charles Manson here. He was so persuasive. Yet Manson had women following him around like they were his servants. And was so obsessed with becoming a music star 
that when he was declined, denied a music contract from someone in the business, he lost his shit. This was a mentally unstable little man. Very dangerous. So dangerous. He convinced his, would you say, cult to go out and murder people. And that's what he did. He sent out his people, Tex Watson, Squeaky Frome. Was Squeaky there? Um, don't quote me on that. But Tex Watson and a few of the Manson women went out and murdered the Sharon Tate slash Roman Polanski household. Roman Polanski, the famous director, was out of town, out of the country, filming a movie. Wasn't there. But Sharon was. And she was pregnant with Roman's child. Very sad tale. And this is where Quentin went. He took that just amazing, fascinating, and disturbing story. Back in the summer of 1969, Charles Manson and his family doing some crazy stuff. Changing the world. Charles Manson is one of the most disturbing human beings ever. Very influential. So influential that it was this story that influenced Quentin to write this film. And doing so gives us this fairy tale epic journey on how he would have liked to have seen things happen. And he uses Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton as the heroes. <laughs> Folks, the ending, I, could, I, was, I was wooing, wooting, wooing, wooting, hollering, laughing. What a, what a storyteller that Quentin is. Cliff Booth is sort of like a superhero in this film. Brad Pitt, at the age of 56, still looks good, doesn't he? He's wrinkling up a little bit. Yeah, he's in his 50s. Hey, <laughs> I'm wrinkling up in my early 40s. But he still looks good, fit, amazing. And he plays like a superhero character. <laughs> Rick Dalton, the actor. DiCaprio does a fine job in uh, portraying that midlife crisis actor on the verge of realizing that he just may not be as talented as he thought he was. An acute moment in the film is when he's on set getting ready to shoot a scene and he's sitting next to a little actress. I mean, she had to be, I think she said she was eight and uh, she says that she's a method actor. And she takes what she does very seriously. And of course, DiCaprio shows up like he's been drinking all night. I mean, he's just a mess. And looking like he's not taking his job too seriously. This eight-year-old is. And they're sitting there very awkward. Because it's just the two of them on set. Sitting there. Right next to each other. And you can see DiCaprio's character wants to engage in a conversation with this eight-year-old. Because, I mean, that's just a nice thing to do. Plus, he just may want to talk. (laughs) 
So they start talking a little bit, chit-chatting, and he's impressed with her because she's taking what she's doing as an actress, even though she's eight, very seriously. And he takes out a little book and starts reading it. You could tell he's halfway through the book. And she asks, what is he reading? And he explains that it's a story about a man going through a midlife crisis in his life. Easy Breezy is the name of the character. And it's kind of a really significant part in the film, not only because uh, DiCaprio describing what his character is going through, but what the character in the book is going through as well. They meet right there, both characters within the film. And not only that, it is halfway through the movie as well. DiCaprio's character, uh, Rick, uh, starts choking up because he realizes that it all makes sense. And it hits him that he is in a midlife crisis, not only as an actor, but as a man. And Quentin as well is at that age in his life. So he's mirroring this in his reality, his life, and he's putting it into art. Quentin, this is his life. He places so much thought into this film. It's truly remarkable. And these are artists that make me smile to watch this film and to dissect it. I love it. Let's move on to another scene that's fascinating. The Bruce Lee scene. Nah, this created a bit of controversy surrounding Bruce Lee and his family. Bruce is not shown in the greatest of light from Quentin's perspective. Quentin has him very cocky, boisterous. <laughs> and Brad Pitt's character Cliff is sitting there watching Bruce Lee on set being cocky. <laughs> and uh, Bruce mentions in the scene that he could take on Muhammad Ali <laughs> in a boxing match slash karate match and he could take him down. Well, Brad Pitt's character Cliff snorts, laughs. Bruce is like, hey, what are you laughing at, pal? Cliff says, well, I think you're ridiculous. You couldn't hold Ali's jockstrap. Please, little man, just shut up. (laughs) Cliff is very confident in himself throughout the whole movie. Even when uh, it shows how confident and controlled he is when you see him with his dog earlier on in the film. This big dog and how he controls the dog. Telling him exactly what to do and when to do it. I mean, Cliff will put the food down for the dog. And then he'll snap his finger and then the dog goes and eats. He has complete control of that dog. And complete control of his surroundings. And he's very confident. And so confident that he could tell Bruce Lee that he's a silly little man. (laughs) Bruce is offended, of course, And challenges Cliff to a fight. Just the two of them. On set. And Cliff obliges. And looks very calm about it. Very confident. And the two of them fight. Uh, Cliff lets Bruce kick him. Uh, He just lets him kick him. And Brad falls down. Gets back up. And tells Bruce, do that again. I dare you. Bruce goes to kick him 
and Brad just throws him up against the car, dents the car. I love how they just showed Bruce Lee flying through the air, <laughs> being thrown into this car, dents it. And of course, it's broken up by the boss coming on set. They fire Cliff because of this incident. But we have to mention that Bruce Lee thing because Quentin really did show him in a bad light. And he did. Being so cocky like that, Bruce is looked up to in a big way. How dare Quentin do that? I looked into this. Is Bruce Lee or was Bruce Lee an asshole? Was he arrogant? And he was for a bit early in his career. So much so that the show he was on called The Green Hornet, I think. There was a show called The Green Hornet that Bruce Lee was on. And he played a bad guy. And in the show, uh, Bruce Lee's character had to fight Robin in Batman and Robin. And in the script, he of course has to lose the fight. Bruce said, no, uh uh-uh, I'm not going to lose the fight. Bruce Lee doesn't lose. I don't think Bruce Lee gets it. You're an actor. You're playing a role. You're not Bruce Lee anymore. I think Bruce liked to play Bruce. And Bruce liked to win. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. But being an actor, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. Bruce didn't like to lose. He was arrogant. Cocky. Driven in one hell of a performer in mind. Quentin felt Bruce should be taken down a few notches. And he did. A very interesting thing. Bruce Lee's family is not happy about this. And I think they have every right to try to sue him. Because that's defamation in a way. And if you don't get the backing from the family... Doing this and showing Bruce in this light. I mean, this was one hell of a ballsy move by Quentin here. Um, Making Bruce Lee look like a little bitch. Because that's exactly what he did. Wow. That's ballsy, Quentin. (laughs) Woo! Uh, Other interesting tidbits about this movie. One of the actors... Actresses, actually. Maya Hawk, The daughter of Uma Thurman. And Ethan Hawke. Is very small role. She's in the car. Going up to the house. To kill the Hollywood people. Sharon Tate. So on. Very small role. She's cute though. Isn't she? She's on Stranger Things. I think she's going to have a hell of a career. She looks exactly like her mom and dad. I mean equally. You could tell. That's Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's kid. Cute kid. Well, she should. Both her parents are cute. All right, what other information in here? There's a lot. There's a lot. And I'm not sure if I'm going to break this down. No, we're not. We're not. I'm going to take a step back, take a little break, and I'll be back. All right, I'm back. Okay, got to talk more about Brad Pitt's character. Like I said, sort of like a superhero. Almost to the point where he's not afraid of anything. Why should he be? He can kick anybody's ass and get out of any situation that's harmful to him. And a good example of this is when 
He picks up a hitchhiker, this young girl, who is a part of the Manson family. This part we have to talk about. Very interesting part here, put into this film. You get a look at the Spawn Ranch, where the Manson family lived for a brief amount of time. Doing a lot of drugs, uh, just uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, soul-searching, and just witchy things was at the Spawn Ranch. Quentin put this in there and uh, had Brad Pitt's character uh, drive over to the ranch by picking up this hitchhiker. This uh, looked like she was about 14, 15 years old. And they had been flirting here and there in the beginning of the film, just seeing each other where Brad Pitt's driving around and she is on the street uh, looking for a ride. And sometimes... uh, Brad Pitt's character is going in a different direction and doesn't pick her up. Well, this time, he was actually going her way. So he picked her up. Uh, And a bit fascinated by the whole prospect, uh, Pitt's character, Cliff, uh, because she was a cute girl. And I don't think he knew exactly how old she was because they always saw each other from a distance. He'd be in the car and she would be uh, on on the street. So as cute as she was, he didn't really get a great look at her. But he finally did. By picking her up and taking her where she needed to go. Where are you going? He asked. She says, "Uh, uh, Spawn Ranch. And Cliff being a stuntman and doing it for as long as he has, knows about Spawn Ranch. That's a place where they used to make westerns back in the day. Not anymore. In 1969, it was a rundown place. It lost money. And the only thing they were doing were horseback rides or Things like that. And that's where Charles Manson set up shop with his cult. was at the Spawn Ranch. Pitt's character of Cliff says, I know that place. I'll take you there. I know exactly where it is. During the ride there, you get the conversation between Cliff and this young girl. The girl's flirting with him. Puts her head in his crotch. Brad Pitt is 56. She looked like she was about 15. And during this whole flirting process, and Pitt asking her, how old are you? Because now that he sees her pretty close up, he's he's thinking, by God, this is a young girl. And asks her how old she is. She says 18. He says bullshit. (laughs) You're not 18. You and I both know that. How old are you? She doesn't tell him. Her age. What she does is she puts her ugly, yucky, (laughs) bare feet and squishes them up against the windshield. And Quentin made a note of this to get a good goddamn look at these feet. It was prominent in the scene. And he does this. My opinion is he does this to show her ugliness. Or maybe the ugliness of the situation. Um, I'm not saying feet are ugly. I'm not. But Quentin made those feet look a bit ugly to me. Having them pressed up like that. Uh, Not a disgusting visual, but an uneasy visual in the film. That the prospect of a man who would take advantage of a girl was there. And Brad Pitt's character... Didn't do it. 
I like that. I'm too old for you, he says. And we're moving on. I'll drive you to Spawn Ranch, but that's where it ends. Plus, I think Pitt's character, Cliff, was interested to see um, how the Spawn Ranch is doing today in 1969. And when he goes there, he sees all these weird hippie people walking around. Charlie's cult. Charlie's not there, but it looks like everybody else is. Bruce Dern plays the old man that runs the place, Spawn Ranch. I think his name is George. George Spawn. And at this time, George is a very old man. So is Bruce Stern. Who's very good, by the way. Great actor. He's been doing it forever. And is still doing a great job. This scene was the most suspenseful. Suspenseful? Suspenseful? Spencil? Spencil? Folks, I apologize. I need to do like uh, face aerobics or lip aerobics, jaw aerobics before I do my episode. So the words can come out and not make me sound like I'm a moron. I'm not a moron, but sometimes I sound like one. (laughs) We're talking about Bruce Stern. He plays Spawn. Last name Spawn. He owns the ranch that the Manson family took over. Why did this guy let this group, cult, family take over this place? Well, Charlie had mostly young girls following him around and having sex with him. Sorry, folks. That's a fact. Manson had all these women around him and he enjoyed all of them. And the owner of the ranch, this Spawn guy, I think was... uh, being taken care of by the young women and allowed them to stay there because, well, he was being taken care of in more ways than one. Pitt's character, seeing all these hippies walking around, says, where's George? I want to talk to him. And it's at this point in the film, you really don't know what happened to this uh, owner of the Spawn Ranch. What did they do to this guy? And Quentin makes it the feel of it. The whole scene. Like they're hurting this guy. Or he's dead. They're hiding them. They're hiding him. So Brad Pitt. Forces his way into this little house. Where he thinks George is. Where he lives. And he's told. Go away. George is sleeping. Pitt's like. I'm coming in. And the girl said. No you're not. You're not bothering him. He's sleeping. Brad Pitt's like, listen, I'm coming in, whether you like it or not. So that sets up this, what's going on with this George Spawn guy? Is he dead? Is he going to walk into the room and like, there's just flies everywhere? Because this little house is disgusting. Looks like they never cleaned it at all. He walks into this little room. And there's this old guy slumped over on the bed. You're thinking, I'm thinking, this guy's dead. And all these uh, uh, Charles Manson family members are going to kill Brad Pitt. They're just going to rip him apart. (laughs) He shakes like Brad Pitt shakes the old man. Hey, wake up. Wake up, George. And he does. He moves. He wakes up. I'm like, holy shit. He's actually alive. Bruce Stern (laughs) plays George Spawn. Does a good job. He's completely out of it. He's old. And tells Brad Pitt's character to pretty much leave. He appreciates the goodwill. But... Get the fuck out. So Brad does. He leaves. 
And before he leaves, realizes that one of the family members put a fucking knife in his tire. Brad Pitt very calmly looks over and sees this piece of shit laughing at him. (laughs) And knows that this fucker put a a knife into his tire of his car. And he's going to have to change the tire now. And mind you, this is not Cliff's car. This is Leo's car. All in all, Brad Pitt's character of Cliff is masterful in his his movements with everyone around him. And he told that kid, you're going to come over here and you're going to fix this tire. You're going to change it. This is not my car. This is my boss's car. And he's going to blame me. So I'm not changing it. You are. (laughs) And the kid's like, what are you fucking stupid? I'm not changing that tire. (laughs) Ha ha. He starts laughing. Brad Pitt walks right up to him and punches him in the face. And then he picks him up and punches him again. Throws him at the tire and tells him to change it. And does it so easily. So confidently. And gets away with it. The guy changes the tire. And before any trouble ensues, Brad Pitt's character is gone on his way back to Hollywood. Brad Pitt's character of Cliff also has question marks regarding things in the past. Especially a situation that happened with his wife. His ex-wife, his former wife. Because she is now dead. And there's a confusion about how she died. And why she died. And was it at the hands of Brad's character, Cliff? They show a flashback. And Cliff is on a boat. And his wife's name is Natalie. This is a reference to Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. And I explain this in my Christopher Walken episode. Christopher Walken was on the boat where Natalie Wood died. That night. And a lot of people believe it was Natalie Wood's husband, Robert Wagner, that pushed her off that boat. This is a controversy. Nobody knows for sure what happened that night. And Quentin places the nostalgia of that situation into this film, a Hollywood film. Cliff had a wife named Natalie, and they show him on a boat. And she died under mysterious circumstances. Don't you love Quentin Tarantino? And if you catch things like that, like I said, it makes you smile. This guy is brilliant and places things in there in his movies. Great stuff. Great stuff. And it puts a question mark on Cliff. Very mysterious, this guy. Cliff, what a character. What a guy. And I'm not giving enough credit to Rick Dalton, (laughs) the actor. Because DiCaprio was perfect in portraying the crisis that this actor was going through. There are moments for DiCaprio where he breaks down and cries. And it seems to me that DiCaprio has no problem at all in his work, in his craft, to just cry on cue. Very hard to do. And... I respect those actors that can do that. He was very emotional in this film. 
Um, I would probably say that as an actor, DiCaprio, this might have been one of his, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say hardest, but probably, hmm, okay, I'm going to say this is probably his most emotional character that he's played, uh, is silly and is out there. Is Quentin might have uh, made the film like a fairy tale film surrounding the whole Manson situation and how he portrays it in his mind. Uh, the fairy tale version. Uh, DiCaprio's character, uh, grounded and real. And DiCaprio, although playful in his Rick Dalton role, displayed the emotion necessary. In the situations where it called for it, he went there very easily. I believed him. His tears were true. Uh, they weren't throwing uh, eye drops at DiCaprio. Okay, he doesn't do that. Um, DiCaprio is an actor that is actually going through what that character is going through, I think. I, I, don't, I refuse to believe that before... Quentin yells action. And it's a very emotional scene that before that, DiCaprio's thinking about uh, something sad like his dog dying and then walks on set. I think DiCaprio looks into his characters, understands them, gets them, and what they're going through, um, and carries it onto his back within the character. And in doing so, when you see DiCaprio as an actor crying as Rick Dalton, you're seeing Rick Dalton cry, not DiCaprio. Now, and mind you, DiCaprio's an actor, and that's him crying, yes. But it's Dalton that's crying. It is actually the character crying through <laughs> DiCaprio. DiCaprio is amazing. I can't believe how much I love his performance in The Wolf of Wall Street. Gotta bring that up. It's been too long since I've seen that. And DiCaprio is so good in The Wolf of Wall Street. What a tremendous actor. And thank you, Quentin, for casting him and Pitt. Because they work so well together. And you can even see the two of them offset. At awards shows and things like that. Uh, DiCaprio and Pitt. Just are they're close. They like each other. You can tell. Um, it shows. Although you don't necessarily need to like the person you're working with. It fucking helps. Really does. Okay. Other tidbits. About this film. I mentioned the color yellow man. Take, take notice of that. If you didn't notice that yellow. A lot of yellow. Okay. Got to talk about um, a certain part in the film where you get to see Roman Polanski's character with Sharon Tate. They go out. They go to a party. And at that party, you see the member of uh, the Mamas and Papas, uh, Cass. Uh, she was the, um, the bigger uh, lady, a beautiful voice, 
was it Cass Elliot? Uh, she's in that scene, right? At the party, if you catch that. And then you get a wonderful cameo um, from Damien Lewis, the actor. Okay. He portrays Steve McQueen. And did he do a magnificent job? It looks like Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen was a badass and uh, just a wonderful uh, actor, a wonderful character actor, just a tough guy and cool at the same time. And he was at that party. He was interested in Sharon Tate. And in the movie, Quentin explains that Steve McQueen really wanted to be with Sharon Tate, but he wasn't her type. Sharon Tate was more drawn to the little guy. <laughs> I had a chance with Sharon Tate, by God. She was into Roman Polanski, little guy, little weird guy. And she was also into Jay Sebring, little guy, who's played by Emile Hirsch. And he does a fine job. Um, but I had to point out that cameo. Portraying Steve McQueen, they nailed that one. Great casting. You also get other little tidbits of uh, actors in Hollywood at that time. To pay attention. They're there. I mean they're almost in the background too. And you have to pay attention. You'll miss it. You got to watch it probably three times. I can't watch. I can't wait to watch it again. Bear with me. Getting dry. Yeah I'm getting. I didn't bring water with me. I thought this would be a really small. Uh, quick. Mellow. Episode. <laughs> I mean, here we are, folks, in the middle of Quarantineville. <laughs> we're getting to that point, and we're not even like halfway there yet, folks. And we still got a ways to go. And uh, I might be doing a lot more of these episodes. I hope that's okay. You might get sick of me. You might be like, I can't wait until this quarantine's lifted, and we could go on with our lives. Jeff will shut the fuck up about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Before we wrap it up, got to talk about the ending. Fascinating. Quentin gives his spin on what could have happened, maybe, or what he envisions in his mind on the whole situation and how it makes him feel better and maybe the rest of us to feel better about it because he has the Manson clan that's supposed to go and murder Sharon Tate and the rest of her friends and family. And instead, running into Rick Dalton, who's played by DiCaprio. Rick Dalton lives right next door to Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. And the Manson family runs into Rick Dalton instead of Sharon Tate and decide to kill Rick Dalton instead because he's an actor. And he displays violence in his shows and movies. So they go to pick on Rick and his family. And in doing so, are also faced with Cliff. Brad Pitt is there. He's in the house with Rick and his dog. And the dog does pretty much everything that Brad Pitt's character says. Brad Pitt, minutes before that, took his dog for a walk and had a special cigarette with him that was uh, 
laced with acid. He held on to it. This was a cigarette given to him by the girl that he gave a ride to to the Spawn Ranch. An acid-laced cigarette. He decides to smoke it on his walk with the dog. And when he brings the dog back to the house, that's when the Manson family breaks into the house. Brad Pitt is completely high on acid, tripping. When these fucking assholes come into the house to do damage, to kill him. To kill everybody in the house. And Brad Pitt's tripping. Tex Watson is one of the family members pointing a gun at Cliff. And Cliff is like, are you real? (laughs) This is a great moment, man, in the movie. Brad Pitt is so confident, even on asset, just enjoying the trip. Looking at this fucking asshole with a gun pointed at him. And he still doesn't look concerned. He says, are you real? And Tex is like, oh, I'm as real as a donut. (laughs) And (laughs) Brad Pitt's, the whole situation is just, is hilarious. And he starts laughing. At this comment. You're as real as a donut. <laughs> I'm as real as a donut. And he laughs. And he points a fake gun. Like his finger at the guy. Ha 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 ha. And realizes just how serious this situation is. When he recognizes Tex Watson. And the rest of his fucked up women around him. That are going to do damage. And thinks to himself, I got to take action. Gives the dog the order to attack Tex. And then Brad Pitt throws a, uh, a dog uh, bone, not a bone, but a, uh, a I'm, I'm, I'm losing my uh, thought process here. A dog food can. There you go. He throws it so fast at the head of one of the other girls. That it like pretty much bashes her face in. And goes on to just kick the ass. Out of everybody there. Cliff just cleans house. Beating their heads up against the wall. Beating their heads up against tables. Floors. Pitt's character gets hurt. With a knife to the hip. Okay. And needs to go to the hospital afterwards. But Brad Pitt takes care of the situation. And this is where Quentin shows... What he feels in his mind would have been so beautiful to see. These people that murdered Sharon Tate and the rest of her friends and family that night. Instead, tables turned and Brad Pitt unleashes his fury. Defending himself. Bashing these fucking heads into walls. It was fun to see. I was rooting for that because it's wonderful. That's what we really wanted to happen. And I love how one of the uh, girls gets away from Brad Pitt. And she's a mess. She's bleeding everywhere. Falls into the pool where Rick Dalton is. Rick Dalton is in his pool while all this is happening outside. He's outside. He doesn't hear what's going on in his house. Well, one of them, bloody, runs outside. Falls into the pool where DiCaprio is. Lounging around in his pool. It's like, what the fuck was that? Gets out of the pool. This is Leo. Gets his flamethrower. One of his props in an earlier movie. He learned how to use the flamethrower. In his movie. The only thing he learned how to do. And learn how to use. Was this flamethrower. Well he go gets it. And he takes the flamethrower. And completely. Completely. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, to a crisp, this lady in the pool, to a crisp, and takes care of her. Of course, the police show up, right? Uh, take care of the situation, uh, take Pitts into the ambulance as he drives away. And DiCaprio's left, left standing there <laughs> after all the chaos, making sense of everything. And Jay Sebring, who's next door with Sharon Tate, asked what the hell happened. DiCaprio explains the whole situation and how everything's okay. Sebring's like, wow, that's fucked up. People tried to kill you. Are you okay? Do you want to come over? You know, meet everybody here. And that's how the movie ends. A wonderful way to end it. Seeing Sharon, she's fine. And Jay's fine. And DiCaprio and Pitt saved the day. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Thank you for listening to this episode of this wonderful film. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it very much. Uh, I was impressed. And I think my second viewing will be even better. So please do yourself a favor. It's on stars. If not rented, you'll enjoy it. Quentin Tarantino, one of his best. Once again, support the show on Facebook, on the website, theactorsroom.lipson.com. I also have a Facebook page, Instagram account, and Twitter. Hope you enjoy the rest of your night and the rest of your day. Hang in there, folks. I'm struggling too. I am. It's just one of those years, one of those seasons. And it just seems like it's never going to end. And we're tired of everything. We're just tired. Uh, we want to hug people. You know, We just want to feel better, um, have things go back to normal. It's going to happen. It's just going to take a bit of, of time and effort. So hang in there. I'm with you. I'm feeling it too. Like, I don't know. But it's a perfect time to catch up on films, on shows. Make art a part of your life. And I hope this episode wasn't too babbly. I hope I didn't babble. I think I did. So if I did, I'm sorry. I'll try to get better with collecting my thoughts. I get excited. But that's just me. My name's Jeff. I hope all of you are well. Be safe. Be smart. If you don't need to go out, don't. But if you do, just be careful when you do. Okay? I mean, that's all we could do. Let's end this before... Um, like it gets out of control and we have to stay quarantined for too long. It'll hurt the economy. It's going to hurt, hurt our psyches, our way of life. We, we can't be cooped up like this for too long. So let's do our part. Do it right. That way this ends sooner than later. But hey, it is what it is. Be safe. Be healthy. Watch that movie. Watch it. It's great, right? Sitting back watching a movie with some popcorn or your favorite snack with your family. It's wonderful. You know what I've been watching to relax recently? Celebrity bowling. It was done in the 70s. You get to see all of these stars in the 70s bowling. It's wonderful. Oh, Roy Rogers. 
Roy Rogers. What a bowler. Uh, some of these guys, some of these women were really good bowling. Leslie Nielsen. What? He had a hell of a fucking motion. Uh, Greg Brady, Barry Williams. He looked like he'd been uh, bowling forever. Great technique. I get off on watching stars bowl. I love to bowl, so that's what I've been watching. Celebrity Bowling. I believe it's on Amazon. Check it out. It was a show on in the 70s. You get to see uh, a young Michael Douglas, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, who else? Ernest Borgnine loves to bowl. You could tell. He was enjoying every second. Lloyd Bridges was bowling. Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) I know, right? What the hell? (laughs) God bless you. Have a good one.